0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Voxology Podcast. I know um, it is not the voice you want to hear. You want to hear the Seth voice. But today I've got a special guest in studio. And it's in not studio. Seth. It's the next best <laughs> thing. This is Hannah Erie. Hannah, say hello.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: I don't know that Hannah has been featured on the podcast recently. Hannah, is uh, she is 16. Uh uh-huh. um, she's a deep thinker and um and what else what else would we say about you? Like if people if people were <laughs> like, "Hey, tell me about yourself, Hannah. What would you want them to know?"
1: Uh I okay. don't know.
0: Okay, do you love you love tanning? I do. You do love tanning.
1: And I'm ginger, so it's kind of hard.
0: But are you ginger? <laughs> I mean, you're working hard to lighten that.
1: Yeah. But it's still—I always get sunburnt and not tan, okay. no matter how much I dye my hair.
0: That's true. That's true. We do. We we're, we're working to get her blonde. Um, <laughs> Hannah, tell us a little bit about how great it is to have me as your father. Um, Just go ahead and and if this takes the rest of the podcast, okay. it's totally okay.
1: No, I think it'll be quick. Um, it's decent. <laughs>
0: well played. <laughs> <laughs> how do you like Nashville? It's all right. It's all right. You'd yeah. rather be in Ohio. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Miss, yeah. miss, miss all of our friends up there.
1: Yeah. Nashville, it has a vibe.
0: It does have a vibe. Mm-hmm. It has a very denim, yes. very denim vibe.
1: Even if they You're don't denim-y. match. Yes, there's lots of denim.
0: Lots of denim. Lots of denim and lots of trucks. Yes. <laughs> so we have a recurring segment <laughs> on the podcast called Tim's Troubled Times. We're going to get to that in a second. But we thought, and this is news to Hannah, that uh, we would introduce a segment called Hannah's horrendous happenings. Happenings, and yes. Yeah, so Hannah, what Triple H? What, what we look for and what Tim delivers is are just things that you're kind of looking out into the world and they cause you concern. So you're an interesting. You have an interesting perspective. You're 16. You're female. Mm-hmm. You're super thoughtful. And um, you kind of have this interesting relationship with the church, right? You're not a typical sort of pastor's kid Mm -hmm. that does all the things and you have loads of great opinions about things happening in the world. Mm -hmm. And if you're comfortable with it, you don't have to at all if you don't want to. But what are some things when you look at like the capital C church in America Mm -hmm. that cause you concern?
1: Um, Well, first of all, I don't think it's appealing to kids my age at all at right now just because well I guess the churches I've grown up in are great because like they're welcoming and stuff but I know so many people who have been like judged and turned away from the church just because they're like hesitant yeah and I know I didn't go along with it for a long time because I just thought it was a rule book and I know a lot of teenagers just kind of want to go and do what they want and when there's this huge expectation that they can pick to need to fulfill or not. It's like why would you pick to do that? Right. So
0: <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah. And it's been presented as a rule book in yes. a lot of ways. Yes. Right, yes. which is incredibly frustrating. What were you gonna say? I'm sorry. I don't remember. Okay.
1: But yeah, that's basically
0: Yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. What about what about the church's involvement in politics? That's something often oh we, that we talk about.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: What do you what do you observe there?
1: Um well when you see these political leaders identifying themselves as Christian or whatever, um, it's very misleading, I guess, especially when they fight for a lot of things I don't agree with or when people use God, um, to go against things like abortion and gay rights and things like that. It's like, well, why would I want to follow God then, you know, or why would I want to be put in that stereotype? Cause I feel like if I identify as Christian, it automatically makes me seem like, oh, you're, you're like that. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, you're one of those people. Yeah,
1: and that's not what I am at all. So.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So we 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 struggle to even use the word when we talk about ourselves. We're mm-hmm. not even sure
1: mm-hmm. what
0: word to use, but we we're very sketchy on using that one. And uh, you know what's what's amazing is there are so many people out there who kind of feel the same way from all different ages and one of the fun things that tim and i get to do is to sort of have these big conversations in this platform so um let's revisit Wait, Hannah,
2: that what do you what do you Ooh, like good. sunday morning church itself the program of church when you mm-hmm. walk in on sunday morning are you like just pumped and you're like i'm i'm super into this this whole thing that's <laughs> happening or do you like what am I doing here? Why am I here? What is the purpose of this?
1: Well, as someone who's used to waking up at noon, it's not, it's not my favorite thing, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but for right now we're going to journey and I actually really like it. Um, but I'd say on average, it's just kind of like an eh, like it's just kind of something you do. Um, when it's a. When I actually like go in a service and it's a good one, like this week's was good, then I like enjoy it. But um, yeah, I'm usually very tired, not caffeinated. Yeah.
0: And she has to listen to her dad talk, which just, yeah. let's be honest. You it's, already listen to that all the time. not
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the good
0: services are usually when someone else is talking. That's that, That's normally how that works. <laughs> well, Hannah, thank you for joining us a little bit. You are... Awesome and I'm so proud of you and I love to hear your thinking. So what is it that you want to say to Tim? Tim hit that music. Hit the
1: music, hit Tim. The music.
0: <laughs> hit that music. <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen thank you and thank you big shout out to hannah who literally i just said hey you want to be on the podcast and she's like sure um and uh and we have man we have such good conversations um you know she she's the one that said this really profound thing to me about you know if i have to choose between loving gay people and loving god then i'm just gonna love gay people yeah i mean if that's really the choice i have to make right um so we wrestle man, we wrestle with a lot. And it's so funny because um you know there's this pastor's kid thing yeah. that is out there and so we you know we fight that tooth PKs. and nail. Yeah. Just that there's no expectations that you know she wants to follow Jesus great. If she does it we love her no matter what. You know, it's like we don't make her go. We don't you know do any of that stuff but Anyway, and we talk all we talk all the time about questions and doubts and wrestling and she's a very deep, uh, deep thinker. Anyway, uh, I was just this was just a spontaneous thing. She's home on a Friday, so boom, we got Hannah. Now that was Hannah's horrendous happenings. Hannah's uh, horrendous happenings. Yes. Uh, what was yours? Uh, monstrous
2: Miserable musings. musings. Miserable, Miserable musings.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, I mean Tim's troubled times the best one. I mean, obviously. Obviously, um, I want to thank I want to thank Miranda and Ryan and Ashley for. Uh, well, I you went to go see Miranda, um, and so yeah. she um, she repaid the favor nice. by joining the Patreon team. Absolutely, which is so fun. <laughs> um, no, Miranda, Ryan, and Ashley, thank you for joining that team. We're so grateful for you, the community of supporters. We are a nonprofit, and we are crowd funded. And uh, man, all that stuff is super, super helpful and very, very encouraging. Uh, but Tim, Uh-oh. I got a text from you earlier this week. And this is, often, um, this is often how episodes are generated when Tim just sort of lists things that he's seeing in the world and it cause him great sadness. And so ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce a brand new episode of Tim's Troubled Times. Tim, what are you troubled about today, my friend?
2: Well, uh, per the tweet, or no, sorry, per the text that you have mentioned, (laughs) um, someone shared with us a mutual friend, a tweet that said, the American Evangelical Church taught me how to defend their theology and institutions, but did not teach me how to love my neighbor.
1: Hmm.
2: And... So, I started a conversation between the three of us about how that's been playing itself out in um, just the modern setting. I'm trying really hard not to be uh, troubled all the time. And, uh, you know, obviously it's not the most constructive uh, posture to be in. However, what I find is that I'm still just troubled. I just keep it more to myself, which Mm. is not always the best thing. Yeah, I was going to say that. The thing that I wrote back to you was let's see, I have it right here. Lots of interesting conversations to be had. The stuff with the Haitian refugees at the border under a Democratic administration. The act of shooter drills versus the trauma of kids wearing masks. And uh, in a small town called Franklin, Tennessee. I'm not sure if you are Mm. familiar with that area. Oh, I've heard of it. uh, There was a big uproar because there was a LGBTQ float at the homecoming that two kids of the same sex uh, shared a kiss on. And... Mm moms for liberty lost their ever loving minds in trying to get the school district to punish the kids for their pda on the float and mm. um it continues to spark conversations about par- i mean i've been my new tragedy has been watching school board meetings <laughs> 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 i can't help it but i mean i we're, we it hits close to home cuz my wife oh. uh, works at high school and is dealing with a school board Totally, and uh, it has become the new battleground for um, yeah. angry, entitled parents. So it's, and I mean, they get violent. It's got, yeah. it's really strange and wild, and about so mask mandates and such. Mask mandates and just COVID protocols in general have been the, the and CRT is also always mm. a, a mm-hmm. big issue. You can't stop telling my kid he's a racist, and so it provokes, yeah, uh, conversations. Um, so yeah, those are the things that kind of popped up when we were talking via the texts.
0: And then you also, you also had uh, a really cool set of conversation partners. When we talk about micro communities, I mean, we've had to put all of that on hold, you know, during the pandemic, but as things maybe kind of sort of develop into something resembling maybe ever normalcy, um, (laughs) Uh, yeah,
2: you, not at this rate.
0: You did, yeah. Well, that's true. You did a you did a really cool thing this week. You want to tell you want to tell people about it?
2: Well, we uh, we started a little book club, and um, I don't even if you even call it that. Let's not even call it that. And all those people listen to this podcast, so hello, folks. Um, we got together and started reading um, Josh Butler's "Skeletons in God's Closet." That's what which, you're is, a right? which yeah. is a book. Which is a book. Um he was on the podcast at the beginning of our uh understanding the Bible series, so oh. a few episodes back. Um I thought he was great. Uh, really delightful and easy to talk to and he has some great ideas and I as anyone who has been listening has noticed um uh, I want to I want to understand God's purpose and narrative for everything. <laughs> And uh, what that... And so when we meet together as a group of people, how to posture ourselves so that we're doing kind of what God's intent... At least Mm -hmm. we're facing the direction of what God's intent may have been. And Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily feel that when I'm at church. So instead of just joining a church and butting my head against the wall, I'm trying to understand first what it is that maybe God has for us. And so I'm trying to do that in community because we have learned that Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. how this happens best. And so... We started a conversation, and his his book starts with conversations about hell and mm-hmm. torment—just easy, easy subjects. Light, and, yep, yep. And if you listen to the New Creation series that where Mike brought up, um, you know the overlapping of heaven and earth, the separation of heaven and earth, and God's intent to reunite heaven and earth. There's um, similar concepts in the book that deal with those topics. Uh, I, I really and I, one of the things I really want to do is. Take away, we have so many buzzwords Mm. uh, that are hard to like hell or Mm. sin. They Mm -hmm. carry connotations with them that um, are hard to get around because they carry, they carry like an entire history with them. And so sometimes, and often, you know, as I think we discussed in the new creation series, even sometimes our understanding of what sin is is incorrect, but we carry that lineage with it. Yep which makes it difficult to have a conversation about. So I even was joking that I wanted to go in and retranslate Butler's book to take all those words out of it. <laughs> um, yeah. Grace, trauma, uh, fallen, mm. um, all those kinds of things just so we could have an honest conversation about what those things actually mean. So that we could, you know, yeah. I do a similar thing in my classroom. Cause I, even though it's an English class, my job is to teach critical thinking Mm -hmm. And analysis and how to approach a text, understand the authorial intent and how to respond to it. And so I'm really, I'm trying to myself, I'm trying to pull threads on everything and see if when I pull a thread on an idea, if it unravels the idea, then I have to say, okay, abandon that idea and look for a new one. Mm -hmm. If I pull the thread and it's exactly what I thought it was and knew it was, then I can kind of put it in a safe spot. Or, if I pull the thread and I find something bigger and mm. find out that the idea was not, I, I had a small understanding of it, mm. um, that's beneficial too. so
0: yeah. Uh, so finding a tribe of people willing to pull threads yeah, is a really unique proposition.: I but, think so. Uh, does it help you stay does it help you stay untroubled having that? Or does that trouble you in different ways? Um, that doesn't
2: trouble me. Uh, I think I mentioned to you um, uh, my friend Claire, she teaches chemistry and physics. And she was talking about how much she really loves those because they're hard and fast. Uh, yeah. There's rules yeah. and laws to them for how they work. And um, she was mentioning that she doesn't like biology as much because it uh, is cha- it's always changing and growing and, you know, and I was like, man, that's so interesting. My brain is exactly opposite. I am so, I love the fluidity and in the, in the nature of something like biology or English versus math where you interact with it and it changes and you have to kind of like, and our brains are just so different. So that's a group of, of white, uh, you know, mid to late thirties up to early forties group of people sitting in a room in Northern California but there is even small fractions of diversity there that are made in the image of God and i think that's fascinating mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. her brain i i think we all carry with ourselves an assumption that our the way our brain the way my brain works is the way that god's brain communicates mm. and it's a subconscious mm-hmm. understanding mm-hmm. of something but yeah yep knowing that other people's brains work dramatically different and that their way that they interpret and the way that they were created is just as much in the image of God as mine. Mm-hmm. Um, is really helpful for me.
0: Yeah. And you that know, that's
2: different on the other side of the planet. Like there's a, there's <laughs> folks in Kenya or, um, our friend Kevin's Mongolian sheep herders or,
0: yes. Uh, Kevin no. does not have Mongolian sheep herders, but was using no. that as an example just to clarify. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And and you know the the school board things. The I mean the the, the state of sort of discourse. We you know we ruminate and lament. Um, we ruminate on lament quite frequently, but I think there there are a couple of commonalities that are that represent sort of failures to follow threads um and and so that list sort of provoked in me this question which we've hinted at in in previous episodes but w- what what does what does it mean to faithfully interpret the bible hmm. because so many of of these board um meetings or activists or whatever kind of claim christian language or christian identity as justification for reacting in kind of these ways. Yes. Um, and, um, and so I've been, I've been thinking about kind of what do all of these discussions, whether it's immigration, masks, vaccines, um, what, do, what do these seem to have in common in terms of how they sort of play out um, with Christian language on both sides? um and 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 i think that this the answer to that question leads us to this question about okay so what's the goal of the bible right what's the goal and um you know f- for me and it, and again i mean this is such a broad open ended question that uh, you could come up with as many different answers as there are people mm. but um i i th- i would argue it seems clear at least in the Well, it seems clear that the goal of the scriptures is to create a community that witnesses to the rule of God in the world. And um, it is successful, that community, um, based upon how faithfully it renders um, and inhabits the character of that God in the world. So Israel's goal was to inhabit uh, the rule of Yahweh over human beings, which was the human being's original vocation, and that they were, they failed when they did not inhabit the character of Yahweh in the world, and they is were it, successful. Like, can I
2: pause you right there? Yeah. What I think is interesting is, is I th- like, just in conversations, um, words like uh, rule, even God, um, vocation, um all those words become they are like those all carry presupposed weight too mm. like rule doesn't have is god's rule a negative thing mm mm-hmm. cuz often we carry rule as like a a monarchy yeah kind of you know what i yeah. mean like and yeah, so automatically dictator. that the framework starts to build itself yeah, I'm just thinking about this because I had a conversation with a family member yesterday about spiritual abuse and they are just like they want nothing to do with the church and mm. it's based in like just really terrible things that people said to yeah. them while they were growing up in the church and made them feel And it's like I'm sorry man that's totally not the way of Yahweh Yeah, that's the way of the American evangelical institution Right. and separating those even with the buzzwords I think is an interesting totally
0: yeah, we can we can totally use different words than sovereignty or rule. I use them cuz they they're expressions of kingship, which is totally positive right. in the ancient near east, but to us, you're absolutely right. Can have all sorts of connotations that don't don't fit. So they were to inhabit the goodness of Yahweh. Yeah. And his justice. And you know, that's why and we're going to talk about law as a genre. But that's why the laws were given. The laws were not legislation. The laws were not, here are the things you must do to be the chosen people. They were already the chosen people. But these are, in a fallen world, these are the ways in which Yahweh's justice can be reflected. Hmm. um, Given the tragedy of human brokenness. Um, And so they were they were because they're not comprehensive. They were designed to get they were designed to illustrate and provide wisdom. And so, you know, the very famous case of Solomon rendering a verdict over, you know, two women claiming the same child. Solomon, the, the point of the story isn't that Solomon had case legislation that he was drawing from. The point was he embodied the wisdom of Yahweh in that decision. And so but the goal of the hebrew scriptures was the formation of a people who faithfully rendered the contours of yahweh's uh, goodness and um, wisdom and uh, intelligence over the world Um, and so too the new testament right the new testament documents are intended to help uh, form a people who embody and inhabit the life death and resurrection of jesus um, as witnesses to the coming redemption of all things and um, and so so to me one one of the things that has changed dramatically for me was when i was in seminary uh, we were taught to uh, engage in something called the historical grammatical method of interpreting the bible and 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 um and th- this, if you followed this method, this gives you faithful interpretation um and so the, it was method focused and so mm-hmm. you know and, and it was as you know as modern enlightened you know science lovers, I mean it was like it was a science of and 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 certainly I mean man, context and genre, I mean all that was in there, absolutely but um the uh, there was no talk of community formation at all it was my solitary approach to the bible in the original language with the author's intent uh my study tools you know kind of standing together you know in this stream of orthodoxy but um that was what sort of guaranteed faithful interpretation and i think process certainly as a place and we've been going over parts of process but i no mm-hmm. longer think even remotely that that the process is the point at all because then you have Mongolian sheep herders who could never understand the bible uh, unless they're sitting down with you know bible software or something so i'm i i think the process is absolutely important and when the process is violated you get all sorts of harmful stuff that we're seeing so make no mistake process matters but that's not the goal the goal isn't that you would do the right process the goal is that they, it would create a fruitful community. And, um, and this is so radically new and um, uh, powerful for me that we can no longer look at statements of faith and to determine whether or not a community is orthodox. You have to look at the lives of the community members to see if the community is orthodox. So
2: do you mean like that the actual church statement? Like the yes,
0: church. yes. So when yeah. you go on online, people will look at, here's our statement of faith, here are the things we believe. Right. The problem is that we have so colored salvation in individual terms that I have fallen short uh, of God, God's glory, uh, God's perfection, and because God is just, he has to punish me. Yeah. And Jesus was put forward to take the punishment for me so that I get credit for Jesus's righteousness, and he took the penalty of sin on himself. I am now accredited righteousness before God, and as such, now um, I, you know, my goal is to live in a morally formative way that um, where I continually sin less and obey more. And in that sort of coloring of the story, right, uh, biblical interpretation becomes uh, the process becomes the point of, and it's supposed to engage in character and moral formation. So it's my quiet time, my walk with God, God speaking to me, my spiritual gift, right? I'm at the center of, uh, the moral universe at this point. And as we've been, you know, kind of tracing out, uh, that is a tragic, (laughs) tragic reading of the, of the gospel story. Instead, um, uh, there are to be communities of people that are faithful um, in inhabiting the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so that is why the Bible is the way it is, I think, to create communities like this. Mm. So agree or not, that's totally fine. And what a wonderful you know, piece of conversation to have around beer and pizza, right? Why, why right. does the Bible, what's the, Bible, the goal of the Bible? um but uh even that
2: seems like it has to be one of the goals of the bible because it's just not super black and white like it seems like it is provoking
0: absolutely engagement so it's yes well i mean jesus's parables in microcosm do what the bible does (laughs) in macrocosm right jesus's parables they're historically situated So you have to respect the nuances there's a cultural river that these are these stories are a part of but they don't always have have historical referent meaning when it when he says hey a father had two sons no one's sitting there asking well who who's the father and which of the sons ran away and what was his name right Right? it's a storytelling form that is designed to be provocative and so that prodigal son parable really isn't about the son that was lost it's about the son that never left right uh, because that's who jesus is 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 talking with, and he doesn't end it in a red bow instead he leaves it up to you. Mm. Will you enter into the father's joy or not yeah, and so what what Jesus does there is kind of what the Bible does in general, right it provokes you're absolutely right, Timothy, like any good piece of literature yep. and it provokes and agitates and And uh, because God wants participants, the goal isn't um, straight line obedience. The goal is wisdom, and there—that's the reason there are parts that are ambiguous and there are earlier parts that seem to contradict later parts. And man, I mean, you know, I I personally find this um, exhilarating because Mm -hmm. how else could you create communities of self-sacrificial love, right? I mean, how else do you do that? There's no other way so um when we talk about masks and you know vaccines and and just the craziness school boards and those sorts of things i no longer sit and look at belief statements um, from churches because Mm -hmm. part of the salvation story we tell as individuals is that what saves us is affirming intellectually Statements on a page. Oh, yeah, I believe Mm -hmm. the Bible's authoritative. Oh, yeah, I believe Jesus is son of God. Oh, yeah I believe humans are sinful But you know anyone who studied the the language set around belief Knows that the intellectual bit is the least important and smallest part of the whole thing Yeah, and so that the the church will actually show you what they believe in how they are corporately. Yeah, you look at the fruit Absolutely and so, so that is why I no longer consider uh, a, a proper belief statement on the website to trump, um, pun intended and unintended, to trump the fruit of the discipleship and leadership in that community. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that, is the, that is the tragic part, that heresy for us is only a belief issue. It's not a behavior issue. Oh, that's good. And in the in the Bible, um, that you you do not separate uh, those things, mm. uh, because what you what you do is actually what you believe, right? right. You can you can say like there was this great <laughs> there's this pastor in Tennessee who's just nuts. He was just banned from Twitter, and he he had a shirt on that said "Lead with love," right. And he's on this rant about how Hillary Clinton is, uh, like, high up in the Church of Satan. He's seen videos. He will not be tamed. He will not. And it's just this rant that is the the furthest and remotest thing from, you know, love in the history of the planet. Even if he believed those things, right, the the way he's holding them uh, is so unloving. And And there's no irony in the juxtaposition between the shirt and the behavior. Right. And in the Bible, the behavior wins. So it doesn't matter what shirt you have or what songs you sing, right? It's literally what are you inhabiting? What, and that doesn't mean the communities are all perfect. Of course, Paul no. was correcting all sorts of shenanigans in the first century church. But the goal was that a, that a community of people would render faithfully the character of Jesus and his work in the world in anticipation of the future redemption so that people might be attracted to the idea that God has worked in Jesus to restore the brokenness of the world. Yeah. So, so the question then becomes, all right, well, if it's fruit we're looking for, then because uh, there will always be some bad fruit always right it's the, the it's yeah. built into the system sin is built in um so there will always be bad fruit. there's always a reason to leave a community always uh, there are good reasons and bad reasons and and traumatic reasons and you know we've talked a lot about those sorts of things but what would fruit what would good fruit look like evangelism uh tithing prayer meetings bible studies Um, you know, what's good fruit, lots of programs, big building, lots of attendance, um, fast, you know, being on the fastest growing church list for 2018. (laughs) I mean, what's good fruit? Uh, and that is the question that just consumes a lot of my thinking as someone who works for a church, Mm -hmm. um, but also as somebody who you know, sits scandalized by this whole vast system I used to participate in that has produced yeah. the fruit of, of Jesus following that we see now. You know, um, do you want to interject your, no, your face?
2: I, I'm just processing through what you're saying.
0: Oh, thank you, Timothy.
2: I'm trying to remember what you said about heresy because I've thought that
0: was really good. Hmm. Well, the great part is it's recorded. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't remember anyway. So um, there, there is a very influential book. Um, it deserves its own club called "The Moral Vision of the New Testament" by Richard Hayes, and he has a short section in there that he has, I think, expanded other places. Oh, laundry's done. That <laughs> um, <laughs> that metaphor totally. Good Lord, yes. That is what Jesus is doing in my life right now. He is cleaning my laundry um, and letting me know when it's done. No, so um, in that book, he proposes what, what faithful communities might look like. Hmm. Um, what, what does faithful Bible reading lead to? And he said there are three aspects. We've talked about them before, but I want to talk about two of them today because they seem very relevant. So we're kind of jumping ahead in the Bible series a little bit to talk about troubled times. But this stuff, man, this is just wrecking me right now. He talks about community, cross, and new creation as the community, three...
2: cross, and new creation.
0: Yes, if if a community is embodying community in the way he means it, uh, in the way Paul envisions it. Uh, and cross in the sense of cruciform life, we'll talk about that, and new creation as we've talked about, um, then the, the community is is reading the Bible rightly, regardless of its individual um, predilections on you know certain controversial topics. So community cross and new creation is kind of the idea. Now, let's talk a little bit about what these mean. So we talk about community. It's not just any community, right? Because we have NASCAR community and Taylor Swift community and uh, fondue community, and you know we have shared affiliations for this. So this isn't just when we say community. This isn't just <laughs> with, all with three of great examples. NASCAR, all of... <laughs> Taylor Swift, and fondue. <laughs> so, so these are, the church isn't just the group of individuals who have uh, an a, a affiliation for Jesus, right? I mean, this, so it's much bigger than that. Yeah. Um, and the, that, that uh, community is to be characterized by certain practices and certain work. And so I want to talk about justice uh, because the community is to inhabit justice. Now, anytime we talk about justice, there is this whole slew of other words that sort of pop into our imaginations when we talk about justice, particularly these days, right? So you've got woke and CRT and BLM and cultural Marxism and systemic racism and white privilege. And, you know, I mean, oh my goodness. And and we lose, you know, you just divide the country, the church, everybody just straight down the middle when you start getting into some of these concepts. But the, 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 the idea of justice in the Bible was is so much bigger than any of our partisan interpretings of this. So, when I'm using the word justice, please don't hear liberal. Please yeah. don't hear uh, a political agenda. These are Bible words before they were any words else. These are Bible right. but words. That's good
2: like we did earlier to re-quantify. Yes. Sadly to re-quantify these things that have true meanings
0: that have been Oh my goodness. Yes. Weighted have, down. Yes, you talk about a you talk about a, you know, word these days that is just freighted uh, or combine it with social justice and your social gospel and socialism. And um, you know, it's, it's absolutely maddening, but many of many of the ways that Christians are approaching these conversations fundamentally misconstrue what justice is and how it works and, and how central it is to the picture of the community in the scriptures. So we're going to go on a little Bible tour because um I want to talk about justice uh, and I really want to go after the idea that that the work of justice is something different than the work of the gospel. Um there is this this bridge, this divide in our telling of the biblical story that God's justice only means he has to punish me for my sin.
2: Totally.
0: That is so not true. Uh, there are verses in English that seem to suggest this, and uh, but ripped apart of the of the context, the genre, and the biblical storyline. I totally get why people get there, yeah. um, but uh, they are they are not faithfully um, uh, dealing with the the picture of justice as it comes to us. Justice is not an individual concept. You can't do justice by yourself. Justice, by definition, is social. So, the first thing we want to suggest is that the work of justice in the community is the work of the gospel. All right? Um, There's no separation between love, God, love, neighbor, and there's no separation between my salvation and the salvation of the community that's being formed into Christ's likeness. Right now, the classic example of this is in the book of Ephesians. And Gambus has some great stuff in his podcast and in his, uh, his Ephesians book on this. He actually wrote uh, an article on racial reconciliation as the central part of the gospel. That's how I discovered him like 10 years ago, was this journal article in an academic journal. So, um, but this is, this is stuff that you can just kind of read it for yourself and see. So, and I'm, I'm going to give like the very high level um, overview. At the end of chapter one, there is this great statement where um, uh, Paul uh, uh, lays out the, the grand victory of Jesus over the cosmic powers. You know, he says, God has exerted power. Uh, when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. So that's all cosmic power language, right? Jesus has been installed as the victor over the rulers um, and the principalities and powers. Uh, And again, Gambus has loads of stuff on this if if you're interested in more. Um, uh, And then... Uh, God placed, it says, all things under his feet and appointed him to be head of everything for the church, which is his body, Uh, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, what Paul is going to do is he's going to talk about how that cosmic victory has worked. Hmm. And he's going to give two um, explanations or explorations of the cosmic nature of this victory. The first one, starting in Ephesians 2.1, is um is having to do with the fact that we were enslaved to ways of living that naturally lead to death and that we were enslaved to the cosmic powers right okay so paul will say like as for you and again this is plural so as for you church right you all were dead in your transgressions and sins when you used to live um when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air right so this is all you were enslaved cosmically all of us um, also lived among them, uh, these rulers, at one time, uh, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, why is wrath mentioned here? Because that's, that's naturally where those ways of living go. Right, right. They're characterized by this thing called wrath. Great. And then Paul gives this great, but because God is great in mercy... He has redeemed us. He made us alive when we were dead. And then he gets in this very famous you know, passage in Ephesians 2. It is, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. All right? And, and then, so that's the first kind of explanation. You all, church, were enslaved cosmically to right. the rulers and powers. And then secondly, you were enslaved to ways of living that are characterized by wrath and death. God has set us free from those things. Then he says, and again, in my English Bible, there's a paragraph break right. and there's a heading as if he were talking about something else. Right. He's still talking about what, he's, what he began in chapter 1, which is this victory of Jesus over the powers. And then he says, therefore, remember that formerly you all who were called Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised. Now, um, we could spend loads of time here. But the biggest problem in the early church was ethnic. It mm-hmm. was not... Now, there were, of course, believing problems. There were people denying that Jesus came in the flesh. Or some, Paul will address, like some were saying Jesus had already come back and worrying the believers. So there are doctrinal issues. But the primary emphasis of Paul's letters has to do with how two ethnic groups coexist now as Christians, the Jews, and those who were not Jewish, called Gentiles. Um, and he hints that the Gentiles were called uncircumcised. Now, that, that isn't a statement of fact. That was a racial epithet. That was a slur. Right. Um, you uncircumcised you know pagan you are excluded the idea is that you're excluded from all that god is doing in the world you're hopeless you were foreigners and strangers to what god is doing in the world and it was so take any racial slur yeah um i mean so so there was a great deal of hostility between these two groups uh and you know uh the, and, and many times um, throughout the history, the Gentile groups tried to eradicate the Jews. Right. They looked at them as you know, so odd and so backward. And, um, and, and the Jews, of course, uh, some of them lost sight of the fact that their chosenness was for the sake of the Gentiles, not just because they were awesome. So you have all of those sort of racial uh, ethnic dynamics going on in these churches.
2: Yeah, that last one sounds familiar.
0: Hmm. Um, and and so Paul says, therefore, remember those of you who were uh, Gentiles and were slurred as uncircumcised. Um, remember that at that time, when you you were when you were apart from this new community, um, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Like these are factual statements, right? Um, but now in Christ, you who have been, you who were far away, have been brought near. And then, so he's talking to the Gentiles; they have no basis for boasting. Right. Um, then he says, "For Christ Himself is our Shalom, our peace." And He made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Now, there's a whole thing we could go to there, but we don't need to to make this point. His purpose was to create uh, in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far away, the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, the Jews, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So he's rebuking the, the the Jews now by saying, consequently, you were no longer forced foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. And you are all being built together as a temple to become a holy temple in the Lord. Yeah. All right, now this. Okay, so, so somewhere along the line, somebody decided that verse, verses 1 through 10 of chapter 2 are the gospel, and the rest of it is something else. Right. Which Paul does not in any way, shape, or form make that distinction. So that's the first big point. The second big point is that this Paul is saying this as evidence of Christ's cosmic victory. So Christ has been installed as cosmic Lord, and there are two pieces of evidence, um, two jobs of the community to witness to this reality. One, they're to live in new ways of living. They used to be enslaved to the powers and in ways of life that led to death. Now they are free to live, right? Because Paul says in verse ten that God has good works for you to do, which He prepared in advance for you to do. Yeah. So it's a new it's a new form of life that they that they witness to. The second thing that they witness to. Uh, or the second way they witness to the cosmic victory is through the reconciliation of people groups that up until this point had been hostile towards one another. Yeah. That that reconciliation was evidence of the cosmic triumph in Christ. Now, the reason Paul uses temple imagery here is because temples were political realities. They weren't religious right. realities. They were political in the ancient world. and And often... If Nation A defeated Nation B, and this is straight from Agambas uh, podcast, this was this insight was incredible. That um, that Nation A would build a temple in Nation B's territory, saying that our God has defeated your God. That's what. Totally. The, so the temples the temples reflected. Uh, truth of the heavens that was happening on earth so if nation a beat nation b it it meant our gods are stronger and you'd build a temple as a monument to that victory so carrying that image along what we have is the enemy. We have this cosmically enslaved territory of planet earth, but in the middle of that enslaved enemy held territory, there exists a temple that is a monument to the victory of Christ over the powers. And that is a monument in two ways, by people living new ways of life and by groups that were hostile to each other. Now being reconciled in Shalom. All right. (laughs) What a compelling picture.
2: Yeah, there's just so, just in that last chunk that you just said, there is so much packed
0: in. So much. And let's let's add more. All right. <laughs> now, the work of the Shalom building in the community is called the work of justice or the work of righteousness. Now, Gombas, you have to listen to Gombas' Roman series, my brothers and sisters, because... Um, Gombas continually points out something that is, you know, I, I, and I mean, it, it's been known. This is not like he's discovering new things, but he really shows how it plays itself out in Romans. Um, it's the fact that justice and righteousness are the same word mm-hmm. uh, in the New Testament. And the, 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 the reason that is a really big point is that when we hear the term righteousness, if you've bought into the individual salvation story thing, then righteousness is my individual goodness. It's, a, it's my moral scale of how well I'm doing. Um, the problem is that totally misunderstands what righteousness is. Righteousness is a communal concept. Righteousness is embodied in community. Um, uh, and that is why the word the greek word set can be translated also justice That's so yes. Yeah, so in second corinthians paul has this great line where he says you know christ became sin he became sin yeah so that we might become the justice of god the righteousness of god right and so or or in um in romans what Gombus does is he shows that that in Romans 1, it talks about God pouring out his wrath against unrighteousness. We think that's bad behavior, but um, put injustice in there, and the and the whole chapter makes sense. Hmm. Um, God is pouring out his wrath against injustice. And when you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, what were they continually railing against with Israel? Yes, Israel's idolatrous worship, but it's idolatrous worship as exhibited by injustice, right? Hmm. Yeah. So, so the work of shalom building in the community is the work of justice slash righteousness because we are, and this, this, I mean, this is the huge point. The church doesn't do justice. The church is an expression of God's justice. So, um, and, and, and don't get hung up. Don't go woke or don't go progressive or liberal on, on this. This is just biblical teaching. And, um, and and, it was all, you know, envisioned because the, the word justice just means to make right hmm. or to make whole. Now, in the Bible, sometimes the word justice is used to describe um, retributive justice, like punishment. You get your just desserts. Right. Yeah. Most of the time, it's referring to restorative justice, to make yeah. whole. So it's not just that if you took somebody in ancient, it took something from somebody in ancient Israel, you had to pay them back four times, what it was that you had stole, yeah. right? To make them whole, and so the the work of justice very simply is the work of restoring shalom between people, and sometimes in the Bible that work is structural, um, and systemic. Like for instance, in Acts chapter six, there there was a huge controversy in the early church. We kind of read right over, but um, people approached the disciples and said, "Hey, the Hellenistic widows, the Greek-speaking widows, were being overlooked in favor of Hebrew-speaking widows, uh, which which is a racial issue. So they're they're both um, they're both Jewish." But one, of the, one group speaks Greek, and the other group speaks Hebrew, and only the Hebrew-speaking ones were getting fed. Hmm. That's a systemic issue, right? Yeah. And so the disciples appoint seven Greek speakers um, to, in, to make sure that was remedied. Um, but this was, a, this was a big deal. The apostles said, the apostles didn't look at it and say, oh, this doesn't matter, right? They said, listen, right. our job is, is to be apostles. And, you know, which is the ministry of the word and prayer. But this is so significant, we're going to actually appoint, we're going to create a new role in our fledgling community called deacon. Um, and, you know, which is a word for kind of servant, uh, to make sure that this is taken care of, right? Or, as another example, 1 Corinthians 11, where people are dying because they're taking communion wrong. And I always thought that meant, you know, when Paul says, if you take, if you eat the... the um, flesh and drink the blood in an unworthy manner you bring judgment on yourself and I always thought that was individual an individual I didn't pray enough or I I didn't confess my sin enough or whatever but when you read the context of it it's the rich members of the church shaming the poor members it was a situation of injustice it was fractured shalom And the rich members were eating first and they were eating the best food and they were eating with themselves They were separating themselves from the poor the poor were eating last the poor were eating the worst food If any was left and they were eating separately from the rich and Paul said because of that some of you who are rich are falling asleep Which is the Bible way of saying you are dying Right you are growing sick and dying That is how seriously this was taken so the the issue there was economic injustice right that the church when we say the church is to embody god's justice that means the church is to resist fragmenting along the same lines as culture they have to do the hard work of reconciliation and listening and forgiving and walking and all those things that we're being invited into culturally now this is to be the province of the church and this is why or one of the ways in which the church then witnesses to the cosmic lordship of Jesus over the powers because what the powers do is the powers fracture us they energize those fractures into nationalism and racism and sexism right they they weaponize our differences and when we when the church participates in that weaponization it's judged
2: yeah
0: right and and so and we call that the work of justice i mean one more example just to overmake the point, Galatians chapter 2, Peter, it was a huge deal. Peter, Jew of Jews, leader in the Jerusalem church, came down to the first multi ethnic church in Antioch, where Jews and Gentiles were sharing the common meal together. Again, which most Jews were convinced the Torah forbade them from doing. And Peter participated in that common meal until. Jews, other Jews came from Jerusalem and then he began to separate himself. And, Paul's, and, and Paul says, I had to confront Peter to his face because even Barnabas was led astray by the hypocrisy. And he calls Peter out publicly. It's again, it's an honor shame thing. And says, you are not living in line with the truth of the gospel. It was a truth of the gospel issue, right? Yeah. And so Paul stands up and says, no, 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 nope. But again, those are three examples of controversies uh-huh. in the early church. And none of them had to do with, hey, what doctrinal statement did you have? Yeah. All of them had to do with the fact that, that the church was reproducing the fracture lines around race, ethnicity, and economics. Right? Yeah. And when that happens, Paul jumps on that sucker like no one's business. And so um, the point we want to make is when we think about mask wearing and we think about immigration and we think about vaccines and we think about the, all of the justice, all of our black brothers and sisters who are saying, listen, there is a problem here. Um, the, the predominant um, expectation, I, I would argue, of the church is that we turn an ear to those who are saying hey we're being overlooked hey our widows aren't being fed hey um uh we're being kept uh, away from the 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 good food and the good um inner sanctum of all the rich people and we're over here just on our own um and 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 again we can disagree uh, and we will about how justice should play out yeah But that it is a central work of the church is undebatable. And so when you get John MacArthur and all of these white men saying, no, 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 social justice is socialism. Uh, Social justice is unimportant. It's not the work of the gospel. Just give people Jesus. That is not reflective at all of the New Testament's teaching, not even remotely. And, And I would argue no matter how orthodox their theological stances, because they're not inhabiting the kind of hospitality that is to be characteristic of uh, the community of the faithful, then they're not interpreting the Bible rightly. And so that's the point, right? If we're gonna talk about community cross new creation, what's community look like? Well, the community that God cares about is a community of justice. Yeah. That doesn't do justice, but is justice. And so just read the Old Testament and you have I mean, how you spent money, right? All of the gleaning laws, the year of Jubilee, I mean, all of that had to do with in a fallen world, we're triaging. There Mm -hmm. will be poor people. How do we keep from hoarding? How do we keep sharing? right? And that that was a central part of their witness to the world. It was a central part of inhabiting the character of Yahweh was that the foreigner and the orphan and the widow would be taken care of. Yeah. And when it wasn't, I mean, just read the prophets. That's what they're railing against, right? Because idolatry automatically leads to injustice. So because worship is justice in the Bible, idolatry automatically leads to injustice. And Paul links these in Romans 1 per Gombus. And again, please listen to his Roman series. It's so fantastic. It is seminary level education um, that is absolutely mind-blowing absolutely he's tapping into things that are hugely academic and making them very very accessible um i can't recommend it highly enough and he speaks to some of these realities uh but the point we we simply want to make is this um that that when we're looking at like mark driscoll was orthodox in his belief statement but in his behavior he was heretical Absolutely, the fruit right. and and the argument will always be. I, I remember he had a he had an interview with a guy named Justin Brierly, who hosts an, um, a podcast called Unbelievable, and he also now hosts Inti Right. Um, and Driscoll was on there and found out that Justin's wife was a pastor, and just began to mock and insult, um, and and boast in his large numbers because he was so manly. And I remember like. Just posting that in social media saying, This is, this is utterly disgusting. This is ridiculous, blah, 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 blah. And the pushback I got was, yeah, but there are so many people coming to Jesus. And 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 you know, it was one of those things like, well, the fruit of his ministry evidently was more important than the fruit of his spirit. And we want to precisely reverse those. Yeah. Right. Um, We want to say no. The fruit of 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 someone's spirit is way more important than the fruit of their ministry because the fruit of this ministry, as it turned out, was rotten. Yes. And um, and you, we only know that as time goes on, right? You don't know that right away in the middle of large cheerleading crowds who have Pavlovian responses to, you know, uh, to certain applause lines or whatever. Right? I mean, you just we cannot evaluate. We've just been shown. We can no longer evaluate different tribes on the basis of what they say they believe. Right. Um, and, um, and we can no longer evaluate certain tribes on the basis of their sim- simply following an interpretive process and saying, well, it's that process that led us here to do great harm to women and to, abu- and to cover up abuse for the sake of protecting our guys. Well, then your theology is wrong. Yeah,
2: we no talked matter, about it on the YouTube podcast this week the you know there's a song that talks about te- like no one's lives are or people's lives are bigger than any big idea and that look at your ideologies and if your ideologies are people are being hurt then it's time to look at it and see if that's yeah if there's something wrong
0: or something rotten in there Absolutely absolutely and that doesn't mean that every ugly ideology because what we what we're not saying is that we just follow culture in whatever culture thinks is good or bad, and read that into the Bible and say, "Oh, yeah, of course, no. of course, the Bible makes us uncomfortable, of course, it provokes, of course it 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 disturbs, right? Jesus was a very disturbing fellow, but he was the most disturbing to the people who were the insiders, yeah, and so, um, I find that super interesting, but the point is there are things whether it's about sexuality, whether it's about image of God, whether it's about th- where Jesus seems to teach something that is out of step with current thinking. Totally. And, and we're, we're not just saying, listen, get rid of that just because some people say that it's wrong. No, 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 we're not saying that. We're saying, does the way the theology is expressed and inhabited and practiced and embodied in a community, does that reflect new creation dynamics, self-sacrificial cruciform love, and a community that works towards justice. Yeah. If yes, then, then we would look at that community and say, okay, that community is healthy and that community is doing the hard work to interpret the text well, even if they have some, some conclusions that we might disagree with. Right. Right? Because we're no longer... We're, so, so you can have people who are very non-affirming uh, of LGBTQ relationships who are incredibly loving, welcoming, hospitable. And you can have loads of people who are affirming of LGBTQ relationships who still emphasize monogamy, fidelity, and covenant um, in uh, the terms of sexual practice. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't, we can't just simply say, here's an issue and let, the, f- and let the, the fruit fall to the side on either direction as long as you're holding the right view. Yeah.
2: I wish we could, ha- I, gosh, I wish we could have like a, a round table conversation on this, like on a myriad of topics, but especially on this one from people from all over the planet that claim Jesus hmm. and hear from their like very particular perspectives, how that looks like our understanding. I don't know. I think it would just be, it would be really fascinating Mm-hmm to see and to hear what that looks like. Like this morning on the way to school, taking my son to school, he started singing, this land is your land, this land is my land. And then I started singing back to him, this land is not your land, this land was their land. <laughs> just having a conversation <laughs> about. Because the verbiage in that song is all full of this like, you know, cutesy, patriotic, this land is your land, yeah. this land It's just like this. You know, folks claiming this place that you know, obviously yeah. was not ours in the first place. Cause I was thinking about this in light of the little, the, the girl that whose body was just found that everyone's mm-hmm. been following on and, you know, tragic, tragic case. And, but in the area that she was found in, you know, there's just, there's been an epidemic for years and years and years of native women and girls that just get taken off of reservations and they're never mm-hmm. even accounted for and they're never looked for. And even in the area that that girl was found, there's like, Seven over seven hundred missing indigenous women from that area, and what does justice look like in that conversation because we yep. our culture builds ideologies of justice on both so it really feeds into that neither right nor left nor yes but how to
0: like yes that that's it that's it it can't if we immediately run to the partisan categories.
2: I and mean, we try to find a version that we think fits or works and then just right. adapt it. And right. So what does this look like actually
0: today? Yeah. Not just then. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and that's where social media helps and hurts. Because it's, it's easy to be a theoretical shalom builder on Twitter. Yeah. Where you're just totally. stating your opinions in you know whatever chamber
2: we're in. <laughs> that was our conversation in class yesterday because we were reading an article called Self-Segregation mm. and discussing, you because know, I was like, you guys are an interesting position. Like the okay boomer thing is a real thing. There, there are previous generations that are looking down on the current younger generation and, and just you know typecasting and saying a bunch of negative things. I was like, even my generation, I didn't have a cell phone until I was in my 20s and I didn't have the internet until I went to college. So I had a very distinct pivot point that was like pre this wealth of information and, and technology and post yeah. these kids grew up with it in their hands. So I was like, you guys get to dictate what this looks like. And they all understand the algorithmic mm-hmm. like self-segregating tools that put us into like-minded bubbles and rile us up. And yeah, but it's, yep. it's like, you guys are the ones that are going to dictate how we run that gamut and how Cause it's like technology is not going anywhere. So how do you, Vax. how do you like do it? Right. I think that's the, always the interesting thing with a lot of these conversations. I think Peter, I, you and I have talked about how I, I just find Peter to be so compelling and interesting. Cause mm-hmm. he's just, that guy was constantly being redirected and learning like to the end. And yep. that just was a, that was a key component of his story. And when you talked about how like jesus became sin i think it just opens up such an interesting conversation about all of peter's shortcomings post that moment yeah but the the continuance to press and
0: yes but but having to be i mean even his encounter with the um with the centurion and the the spirit exactly yes i mean he he had to continually be because that was ethnic that was ri- i mean yeah, this prejudice. was an ethnic issue yes yeah he prejudged he had, all those people well he was taught that it was his religious duty yeah and there there are parts of torah that absolutely seem to say that um and so you know peter but but that peter had to keep learning the work of shalom building
2: yeah and um, his community i cuz when you were talking i was thinking about peter in isolation Right, uh, what that would right. look like. If there wasn't, I mean, Peter and Paul make such an interesting buddy cop movie because they're just like, <laughs> I don't know. Their personalities are so, their personalities just through this kind of, just through the text. I can't imagine how those personalities actually played out. Right. But the role that Paul played in Peter's ministry yeah, is profound. And, yeah. you know, so I, it's just there, it says a lot for even you know, the first Pope to be having to be someone who walked with Jesus and was corrected by Jesus repeatedly to have to have a community around him that kept him from falling into the, all the tropes that you just totally. went through. So
0: it's it's just... That's a, right. And that's yeah. the gift of, of social media is that it keeps... It's continually um, awakening me to... like. I would never have thought about this land is your land this land is my land. I would never I would never have um done a deep dive into race uh, had I not been seeing all of this abuse. I mean there's a gift that comes from oh my goodness I had no idea that's right so it's, it's on, on the one hand it's harder to live yes. without awareness um but on the other there's such a hardening and a cementing that goes with that and a tribalizing that goes with that, that the answer, and this is where, you know, this is so frustrating, but the answer can only be local. Right. I mean, I'm, I signed petitions. I just signed one the other day. I'm all for protest. We protested just, you know, last summer several times. Absolutely. Yeah. But But my Shalom building has to look at the neighbor across the street. Yeah. Um, and the person in my church that I don't like. And uh, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. spheres of influence. Because it's, it's easy. I mean, that's where, so you get somebody like DL mm-hmm. Mayfield, I have so much respect, who lives among refugees community, uh, right. refugee communities. Yeah. Or Shane Claiborne. Um, did I say it wrong again? No. Claiborne? Okay, Claiborne. good. Yeah. I don't know why I mispronounced it, but who. It's like everybody you know,
2: calls me Stanford. Tim like, there's Stanford. No, there's no N in my name. There's no,
0: no. That's just because you're smart. They call That's you Stanford.
2: Exactly, you know what? You're right. I. You know?
0: <laughs> I mean, you're on the West Coast, so it's not going to be Harvard. It's going to be Stanford. Duh. Totally, obviously. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this sucker up. We've said... Oh,
2: man, well, there's so much... This was, you know, you just brought this in as like a little in-between-the-Bible conversation, yeah. but you just like, I feel like you just opened up like 12 cans of things to like... Is it
0: wonderful? It is, but
2: it. I, I, there's just so much. Even just the last thing you just said, which I can't even remember what it was now, because my brain's all mushy. So it's so great. <laughs> it's like, it was just amazing. It was amazing. Mm. But there's a lot. I, I'm always interested in like how how um, how gray the world can be. Like, this is what it was when you were just saying about social media, like how it, it can it can be the worst thing in the world. It can. Mm-hmm. cause us to self-segregate it can perpetuate misinformation it can do all of these things but it exists and mm-hmm. therefore we have to like we have to understand how to do that constructively it's just not yeah. black yeah. and white it's a lot of these things are gray that we have to like work through the fog absolutely and you see the importance of community in that because i get lost in the fog all the time so it's like me too and But we want, we are a culture of black and white. Like yeah. we love our hard lines on things. And the reality is, is that there's a lot of gray.
0: Yep. But but like to your last example, um, I wouldn't have known that indigenous women were perpetually That's going bad. missing. And uh, oh my goodness, it's heartbreaking. And I, I can't, I, you know, I, I've given up trying to, be equally heartbroken broken over everything that's going on i i can't do that and nor can i have the same level of passion for every issue that everyone has passion for um but what it does do is it's built in humility to recognize shalom building is just so much bigger and it is individual and it is institutional and it is playing out in media and it is playing out i mean it's just it's yeah, it's everywhere, and um, and one of the gifts of it has been standing around and hearing people say, "Hey, these widows over here aren't being taken care of." Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes, or or our black brothers and sisters saying, "You guys are not living into the truth of the gospel in the same yeah. way that Paul." And that is something
2: Peter. that people like Shane. That's always an interesting conversation because i I totally agree with you if all communities if if we all enacted this in our communities, but everybody enacted in their communities, you'd see uh you know you'd see change and you'd see things happen in that way. There's a lot of people who I just had this conversation with someone about like well I, I feel called to a global response, I feel called to have a global. Yeah. voice or a global thing I was like I, well, I, don't, I don't know if that's real or not like I I'm not yeah, saying it's not I but
0: I don't know that it is and well I don't know what it means because social media is by is by nature performative right and uh, virtue signaling is a thing so I have to but be Shane on the Shane right does side. do a
2: good job of that of highlighting specific communities that he de- that enable oh, he those does. communities yeah absolutely so that's I think that's an interesting he just brings light to different communities and then people get involved there Yeah. Somebody was, maybe it was on the Mars, so I can't remember what it was, but somebody was talking about the difference between Princess Diana and Mother Teresa because they died around the same time Mm -hmm. and how much we want to be Princess Diana, but we can't because only one person could marry this prince and Mm -hmm. be this beautiful enigmatic blonde woman. But anyone could be Mother Teresa, meaning that, you know, anybody can, uh, go and, and decided to devote their life to service and mm-hmm. devote their life to the poor, and you know, and then the effect that she had on the world because of that. And mm-hmm. it was this interesting dichotomy between the wow. two that kind of inhabited the same time wow. period. And wow. there's something interesting to play with in there,
0: yeah. Wow, all right, man. On that note, we're out, out so many things, so, so many much. things. The cosmic know, right?
2: stuff alone, too i'm trying not to ask anything about that because that's a big
0: can of beans that's a big can of beans <laughs> absolutely but if if people listen to this and become more curious about I um, kind of engaging in with the text in different ways then we then we're doing our job you don't have to agree at all. our goal isn't to convince you um <laughs> we're both. Don't take my word for it. Yes, totally, totally, totally. Read how often Paul addresses uh, a community shalom building in mm-hmm. all of his letters. He instantly goes to um, how how it is the communities to relate to each other, and often it is it's it's along um, justice lines, right? Justice is social, and justice just means to make right. And so God, the whole biblical story is of God, a God who's making right. And his making right is done corporately. That's so interesting. So, anywho, all right. May the Lord bless you all, plural, and may he keep you all, plural. Uh, May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And my goodness, in these days, may he give us peace. Till next time, friends. Thanks so much for allowing us to be a small part of your day.
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Voxology. You can also Join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials. Facebook.com backslash Voxology Podcast and on Instagram at Voxology. Thank you, thank you, thank you for walking the long road with us.